Hello and welcome to episode number 16 of A Scooter Affair. My name is Justin Guffrey and this is your podcast source for all things scooter. On this episode, I talk with Julie Taggart. Julie is the 2021 Scooter Cannonball winner. Listen as Julie talks about weather, strategy, and quick fill-ups. Hi, this is Justin, and I'm sitting here with Julie Taggart. How are you, Julie? I'm doing well today. That's good. We're sitting with you because you did something this past summer. You rode the cannonball. I sure did. Uh, yes, my husband convinced me to do so. <laughs> <laughs> is that is that how it happened? He talked you into it? Well, yes. He uh, he actually uh, participated. He was a rookie in 2018, the previous one. And uh, he, he actually won the event that year. Oh. Um, and then he, he, he does a lot of riding and he came home and he came home with a, with a plan in mind that he could figure out how to get me to win um, <laughs> by strategizing in certain ways. So he was your sensei for the whole thing. E effectively, I called him my domestique. If you're ah. familiar with bicycle racing, team racing. Uh, yeah, all the d domestiques on the team uh, would have the plan of the one particular guy who would win, you know, like in the old days, Lance Armstrong. Right, right. Well, it's not Lance Armstrong who wins. <laughs> it's, it's, it's his team who, who wins. Basically, they get him to win. Uh -huh. And that's kind of how I, I think of the team of my husband and myself. Um, he, uh, we rode together and he, yeah, he was kind of my sensei along the way. And he did, did all the hard stuff like navigating. <laughs> <laughs> and so I just followed. I mean, I had a GPS. I followed along. Um, but he he basically, we rode effectively close together with communication in, you know, in the microphone in the helmet. And um, he uh, called out turns, called out obstacles on the road, uh, you know, potholes and bumps and gravel and just basically helped me along. Well, of course, you know, it takes a, a, a certain level of rider to uh, to do what I did, I have a uh, small, significant amount of experience uh, in my life of, of riding both on the dirt and on the street, and so um, and partnered with my husband who who had experience with the event from before and knew the scoring, knew how the routing worked, and he's he's actually an expert at the navigation and the routing. So um, put those two together, and then I won. How long ago did you particularly? get into scooters uh well i guess that's how you depends on how you define a scooter my very first motorcycle was many moons ago uh when i was 17 he my my future husband uh gave me a honda 90 um this was in about 1980 1979 um and um i rode that i put as i recall i put it had it was very old he had to restore it I ended up putting about a thousand miles on it in the San Francisco Bay Area, so I was uh, uh, indoctrinated on that, and eventually graduated up. At the time in the early '80s, I had a, a, a used Honda CB350, and then a and then a Yamaha, Yamaha 400, which are not scooters, of course. But that's that was my motorcycle experience in the Bay Area. Went on to dirt bike and dirt bike racing after that in the '80s, and then. And then a lot of commuting, starting in about in the year 2000, a lot of commuting on scooters. I put about 60,000 miles on two different Honda Reflex 250s. 
Wow. Um, and then uh, we did a round trip up to Portland, Oregon. From I live, I live in the Sacramento area. We do. And uh, we rode a round trip up to Portland first uh, on MP3s. And then then uh, the next summer, uh, which was two summers ago, um, he, he uh, my husband on the Forza and, and me on the S-Max, which is what, how we did Scooter Cannonball. You had mentioned that your husband is a Cannonball alumni. Um, yes. Is that when you started thinking about riding the Cannonball was when he did it? Yes, um, because um, over the years, you know, like I said, starting around the year 2000, I did I did most of my commuting on, on a scooter. That was the, so that's that type of riding, you know, city riding combined with a little bit of freeway riding um, was really the the only riding that I was doing uh, year after year, um, starting about 20 years ago. So um, I wasn't really thinking about doing much else, except on occasion, you know, we'll we'll go down to Sacramento to a restaurant or something. We'll to make a little scooter trip out of it, um, but nothing nothing big. And, and whereas he he goes out all the time and does dirt bikes, big 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 rides. In fact, he's getting ready to leave for a number of days, um, and so he does these things on a regular basis. But I don't. So um, doing something like even the, when we um, did the couple of rides up to Portland, Oregon and, and back home, which was about 2000 miles in a, a round trip, that was pretty significant for me because uh, some of the days were 300 miles, uh, you know, like several days in a row of 300 miles where you get up early in the morning, you do the miles and you really don't stop to do much in between. And then and then you get in and then, you um, you know, you kind of decompress, have, you know, take a shower, have dinner. So that struck that structure of doing that for say a week, um, uh, very closely resembles what cannonball is like. Of course, this year was many more miles, uh, hmm. than that per day, but that was, that was my first experience of, of long distance day after day kind of riding, uh, endurance riding like that. What scooter did you take across country this year? I um, had a uh, Yamaha S-Max 155 cc's. It was uh, 2016, I believe. And um, it was fairly stock. Uh, my husband said he changed something called the rollers. Okay. Uh, but other than that, it was stock. And this year, I believe the Cannonball was advertised as 4,500 miles. Do you remember the exact mileage that you rode? Um, it was a little more than that. The total miles that we rode, um, I would say on the order of about 4,600, we probably did an average of uh, a few miles extra per day. I mean, maybe like 45, 75, something like that, a few miles extra per day, because when you're going from hotel to hotel, which is ultimately what you're doing from state to state. Um, uh, and checkpoint to checkpoint, bonus point to bonus point, check, you know, there, um, it's up to you to figure out the best route to get there if you think you can optimize it. And so you're not always taking the shortest route, for instance. Um, and, and so those extra miles tend to add up. So, yeah, it was, I would say it was between 4550 and, and 4600, something like that. And then add on another 350 miles to come home from Eureka. So it was actually 11 days in a row for us. So did you ship your bike to the East Coast? 
No, we actually um, left a week, exactly a week before the event started. We drove a support truck, another pair of riders, another couple live about 10 miles from where we live in the Sacramento area, and they were also doing cannonball. And so we kind of partnered up with them that we would, they would use their truck as a support truck. So we, um, my husband and I, uh, drove the support truck to Maine from the Sacramento area and before the event. We got to Maine about three days before the, the event started. And so that kind of gave us some time to acclimate to the area and, the, you know, the, the weather and that kind of stuff. So you had a trip before the trip even started. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Seven days. We were, we were gone for seven days from the house even before the event started. So can you take us through what your mental preparation was when you're just sitting at the starting line for the cannonball, just waiting for the go ahead to begin the journey? Um, well, I would say mostly nerves, <laughs> nervousness. Um, I'm, 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 a, I'm, a, I'm, I was, I used to do a lot of, uh, foot races, you know, 5Ks, 10Ks mm-hmm. of running, hundreds of them I, I did over many, many years. And typically I'm a nervous competitor. So, um, and this was, this was not unlike being, you know, at the start of a 5k before you get going, you know, you got to get ready. And so kind of going through the same process, although this is, you know, much longer and you got to do it day after day. So you have to kind of throttle your, your, your emotions a little bit and stay calm. But once it starts, you know, it, it's, it kind of, you get into a rhythm and, you know, stuff happens, but you, you know, you get through it. At least, at least I did. So we did, uh, and then it, you know, worked out every day. But it's, you know, it's, it's. Um, I was mainly concerned about, uh, well, uh, a few things actually were my concerns. One was the, as I kind of mentioned, the length of the uh, miles every day, doing having three days in a row. That you know, I think there was four out of six days in a row were 500 mile days. So that was, I was worried about the mileage. I really didn't, having only these, you know, trips up to Portland, Oregon under my belt for long distance, I really didn't know if I could handle the long miles day after day, um, having to get up early and, and just the grind of that. I didn't know that I could do it. I thought, well, there's a good chance that, you know, I might get halfway on day three and decide this is it for me. I'm done. Um so, and I'm, you know, I'm not a spring chicken. I'm not as young as I was when I did these road races or, you know, these running races. So, uh, and I'm not in the shape that I was then either. So I really didn't know how I was going to handle it. Um, and, uh, and of course, my other two main <clears throat> main concerns were uh, the weather, you know, living in Northern California, where we've been in a drought for uh, quite a while now, a number of months and used to it not raining. So, uh, and also, well, I'm a Northern California girl. I've always lived in, in uh, you know, in this part of the country, in this, in this state, and it doesn't rain in the summer here. So I'm not used to that at all. And I generally speaking, when, even when I commute, I don't ride in the rain. I don't ride in the rain and I don't ride in the dark just because I know it's much more risky. So I knew I'd have to overcome that to at least a certain extent on the, uh, in the East, knowing that it would rain. At some point, I didn't know how much, but I knew that would be a problem at times. And of course, I'm always concerned about wildlife because it's completely unpredictable when you're out on those, you know, right. uh, country highways and, you know, they deer jump out at you at any time or antelope or whatever they're called. Right. right. So the wildlife issue is always a concern for me. Were those 500 mile days 
was it hard to find the zone to get in to get through them or after after getting in a groove was it pretty easy to get those 500 miles under your belt well yes and no um i'm I'm, I'm always thinking about the numbers. Like I'm, I'm, I've got the GPS there and I've, I've got the, you know, we zero the mileage every day. So I can see the, the how many miles I've gone on the route and, you know, throughout the day. And so I'm think I'm constantly thinking of fractions or percentages along the way. How close am I getting? Oh, I'm halfway. I'm three quarters or whatever. So I'm thinking about that. I in the mileages and uh, I think it's more um, always thinking what's, what's, what's up ahead as far as, um, what do I have to look for next? Is it a gas station? Is it a bonus checkpoint? Or is it a bonus photo uh, location? Or is it a checkpoint? What what What's the next kind of thing that I have to do next? And so um, I was concentrating on that while riding. And just the, like I said, the, the, the general uh, anxiety about wildlife jumping out and and, and that kind of thing, this, that, all of these things kept my mind busy. In addition to, you know, like I said, the communications with, uh, with my fellow rider, my husband, we were constantly talking about riding and strategy and, and that kind of thing. So that's, these are the things that I think about when I ride, at least when I did Cannonball. Do you, do you feel that some of that anxiety and uh, forward planning kind of uh, outweighed maybe some of the enjoyment? Of the ride? Um, well, I suppose uh, you could say that. I mean, we didn't stop. We, we for, for us, it was like get up at 4.30 in the morning, get ready to go by, you know, like say 30 minutes before sunrise, get on the, get on the road, get going, and don't stop except for gas un- until we're done. So, yeah, you know, you could, yeah, you could, I can imagine being, you know, say a tourist, uh, somebody on the ride, but who's not concerned about points. They just want to make the course. They might stop for photos and do, you know, sightseeing kind of stuff. Um, It did take us away, I suppose, a little bit, but, you know, there's, you know, it, it, it all worked out in the end. So I feel good about it. During the journey, was there any mechanical snafus that you had to, uh, take care of the only problem that we had um we didn't really know that we were going to have a problem until my uh scooter it would uh it would stall at the end of a long day when especially if it, if it got uh, to the point where the gas tank was nearly empty it would stall and usually that would happen say right before we get to the hotel or right before we get to the last gas station and um, that was a little bit unnerving uh, to, and it would stall when I'm coming to a stop, like a stop sign or a, or a, or a tre- red light. Um, and but fortunately, every time it 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 started right up again. Um, so it you know, and of course we didn't figure it out until we got home that this is kind of a problem that's just it happens to these S Maxes. It has something to do, I think, with the fuel pump maybe or. Hmm. It it gets it gets uh, it gets uh, starved or cold or something, and um, has a problem when the when the gas tank is very low on on hot days. Uh, um, it has a problem. So uh, yeah. So other than that, we didn't have any problems. Fortunately, we didn't even we we change the oil on or after approximately day six maybe. Uh, we never changed a tire. 
Um, never. Uh, oh, we did air filters. Um, but that was it. Oil and air filters. Can you recall the longest day, either physically or mentally? It, does one just stick out to you that that you maybe thought would never end, or just well, gave yeah, you <laughs> gave you a a big some problems, or just mentally or physically just exhausted? You? Well, yeah, there was, I would say in general, the days that were the problem days were the ones that were over 500 miles. And, and I, as I recall, there were four of them. And, and at least one of those days had 75-ish miles of dirt. Um, they're, you know, broken up into different, you know, uh, 20 miles here and 15 here and, and 30 here, something like that, a few different sections of dirt. And, and uh, the combination of all of that in one day was, was a lot. Um, and, and it was kind of different. The, the different sections of dirt were, were kind of different styles of surface, different surface, um, uh, like different surface material, like gravel versus sand. You know, you could go high speed on some of it, but you couldn't go, you had to go much slower than others. Some was more, a little bit more sandy, kind of two track. Um, so, the the I, I would say overall that that day was a hard day. Um, I th- believe that was day seven when we went through Badlands uh, National Park and Custer State Park, I believe in South Dakota. That was our South Dakota day. Um, that was a hard one. I know that other people had problems in the dirt. I I never fell, um, so I came close a couple times. <laughs> I, you know, a little bit of a jiggle in the front wheel, uh, but other than that, I I never fell. So I got really lucky. Um, yeah, but that, that day was hard. I mean, if it hadn't been so long, um, it would have been a little easier. So that's probably true for most people would probably say that. Do you think that your experience as a dirt bike rider, I mean, I know that there are two different machines, but do you think the experience riding on dirt kind of helped you on that day? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I have, um, you know, like I said, in, in earlier part of my life, um, I did enduros, what they were called enduros. They were 100-mile um, endurance races on dirt. What They looked like motocross bikes, although they mm-hmm. weren't quite as quite as pipey. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I put it on about maybe ten or 12,000 miles doing that over several years on different motorcycles. And that's a lot of experience with loose surfaces, whether it's, like I said, sand, uh, gravel or combination rocks and, you know, anything like that is, is, can give a lot of people problems. And yeah, I think my experience with that helped a lot because I know some of the people who, who even some of the people did fairly well, they don't, they did not have much dirt experience, if any uh, at all at the, before the race started. So that, it really helped for me. And, and like I said, I have a decent, I have probably a hundred thousand miles of street riding in addition to the dirt. So that experience really helps. You had, um, at the top of our conversation, you had talked about the planning stages of doing the cannonball. Um, through all the planning and mapping out and everything, were there any instances that caught you completely off guard that you didn't plan for that were kind of a surprise? Um. I don't think so. Like I said, uh, my husband does, uh, his name is Scott and, and Scott does a lot of, uh, uh, mapping, uh, navigating, creating routes in general. He does this for his own rides when he does these group rides. 
or just on his own. And so he extensively studied the course in advance. And, and because like I said, he'd done it before and he knew how to um, do well by say, if you could take a shortcut, I mean, even if it's a, a long cut around a town, it might save you time because you're say avoiding a series of, of traffic signals mm-hmm. um, that make the overall route, the, 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 you know, the kind of the preferred route uh, slower. So you find a way around it. There was one town and a big city, probably, I, I can't remember where it was. Uh, it maybe, maybe it was Ohio. There, I probably shouldn't say this, but there was a, um, a section of, uh, we ended up taking an alternate uh, route around probably a long section where there were lights. And we ended up going on uh, a closed, uh, what I call a curly queue to get on the freeway. Uh, and the curly queue had had uh, barriers, you know, like big orange cones that indicated that it was closed. But we took it anyway uh, to get on the freeway. And it was all dug up. You know, they dig it up like two or three inches deep. And so it was a little rough. Uh, but that's how we got on the freeway. I didn't expect to be doing anything like that, but we did. <laughs> so, yeah. You have to improvise when, when needed. Exactly. Exactly. It came up all of a sudden and, and Scott says, do you want to do it? And I said, let's go for it. So we did it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was Ohio, but I'm not sure. <laughs> do you quickly form family-like relationships with the other riders or like, is it a support system or is it definitely a competitive vibe? Um, I would say it's mostly a support system. There's, you know, with this number of people, and I believe there were 70 plus people, 72, 73, who, who, who managed to make it to the starting line. Um, that's a lot of people. And probably, a, you know, a reasonable percentage of them, probably, I don't know, 20, 25% have in mind that they have, you know, a goal, say, to be in the top five, the top five or top 10. So they're going to be competitive. They're going to be more serious. Um and like I said, with this number of people, you're going to get a variety of um, uh, how people behave in this situation. And for the most part, everybody was very supportive, very friendly. Um, you interact and develop, you know, develop relationships with with a lot of the people. Um, but there were uh, one or two that were, I would say, more serious and say never even looked at me in the eye. Uh, a little, a little strange. Um, but yeah, there. Like I said, there's a lot of people, and uh, people react differently to that. And you know, a lot of personalities involved. What did it feel like pulling pulling into the finish line? Uh, it was a relief because <laughs> to be done. Uh, well, because we had to go through like the the air. There's a big wildfire that's been going on. That I think it started about in the middle of Scooter Hannibal. Uh, in Northern California, it's called the Dixie Fire, huge wild, uh, national forest wildfire. And we had to actually go through the area where the fire was. And we, in fact, we had to reroute around some of the um, region where the fire was really active. And just to get through that, all the smoke and, and to get over those mountains and, and, and get through that and then finally get to the coast. Yeah, it was a relief. Definitely especially after having, you know, done hard riding for, you know, the nine days before that. So it was, it was hard. In fact, I, as I tell people, when, when we took off each morning, I was really in what I call a fight or flight mode. 
Um, I got to the point where I, even if I wanted to stop and eat, I would not have been able to, 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 to actually, you know, physically get any food down. It wouldn't have, you know, I couldn't have done it. So, because I'm just kind of in a, you know, in race mode all day long. So yeah, after 10 days of that, yeah, I lost a few pounds and I was glad to be done. <laughs> uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Do they, they update daily with the points, correct? Yes, they do. It, it takes time for people to, um, once they're done for the day, of course, you know, people, some people are done in the earlier afternoon. Some people don't come get done until the evening when it's dark and they keep coming in and they don't post all of their photos with the timestamps until, you know, you know, there's some deadline like 10 PM or 11 PM or something. Um, and so the scores are constantly updated as people are turning in their score, turning in their, you know, their evidence, their photos. Um, and so all you can really do is go to the website and keep refreshing. Were you keeping a close eye on that or were you just waiting until everything was done? Well, yes and no. It depended on the day. Sometimes I was more concerned about it than others. On, on the first day, it was kind of a shock um, that I, 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 I actually, I, you know, each day is a, is a separate stage. And so they post the results individually for each day as you're going along. And, and even after the first day, I was pretty surprised to hear that I, to see on the, on the website that I was uh, in first place out of the, out of the 10 days uh, when you, when they factored in all the, you know, the, the, the times and the handicaps, um, I won eight out of the 10 days. Wow. I know. And that, that, and that's a kind of a testament to the, the SMAX, SMAX itself uh, and the handicap. It, it, it outperforms its handicap. It does very well. So if you're good, like I said, good rider, you partner up with the right person and then that we, you know, get the right thing going as far as strategy. That's how, that's how we won. That's how, that's how it worked. Could you honestly say that your husband may have martyred, martyred a little bit for you to win? Oh, well, yeah, he, he, he knew we we knew when he came home from 2018 um, that he he was going to be a tourist. He didn't care about right. winning. Gotcha. He, his his just like a domestique uh, in in Tour de France. Um, his job is to do whatever he can to get me to win, including offloading things like he carries the heavy tools on in, in his. He has a bigger motorcycle, mm -hmm. you know, a Forza scooter. He mm -hmm. has a bigger scooter, so he can carry the heavier weight and so and in fact i even lost uh part of the strategy what strategy was i lost weight uh purposely uh i dieted uh for uh, about two months before the event i should have started a few months before that um but i did lose 11 pounds on the, by the time the day we left the house i was 11 pounds down so i lost a little bit of weight to help you know say the times going up um, um faster going up hills if i'm a little lighter and so, and like I said, he, he carried heavy tools. Um, we had a, a little bit of extra gas with us, which, which he carried and he did all the navigation and he, he did all the calling out of everything. He generally speaking, he rode in front of me. And so he called everything out. So, and, and even when we got to a gas station, you know, you picture the pit stop in a, like a car race, mm -hmm. uh, right. it, how it's very, and everybody has a job and it's very quick. Uh, and that's how we did our gas stops. I, all I had to do was to pull up to the gas gas pump at the right, you know, angle next to him and open up the gas cap, uh, get it, get, get that ready. And then when he's done pumping the gas, put the gas cap on and reset my mileage and get, get going again. So it, we had the division of labor 
uh, we, we had it very strategized to the point where probably gas stops for us were only about three minutes. Wow. Yeah. It had to be quick because, you know, you we stop for gas, what, four to five times per day. And uh, well, four times during the, during the event. And then one, when we were after, after we got to the final hotel. So four, four gas stops when it counted, when it, when you had to be fast. And so you multiply that 10, that's 40 stops. You can cut 30 seconds or a minute off every stop. That adds up to a lot of time. Oh, absolutely. So, it, you know, every little things count. So it's all about strategizing. And, and like I said, uh, we even uh, looked at the, at, the, at the route and in advance, you know, before we left, um, did our homework on where the gas stations were, including in places where gas stations are pretty far apart. And my S-Max would only go a little over 100 miles, even 115 was asking a lot to, to make it uh, for as far as range. So uh, you had to strategize on gas stations, uh, even if you had to go off route a little bit, which we did once or twice to get to a gas station. So we didn't have to get, you know, so we didn't have to make an extra stop somewhere else or, or so we could actually make it um, because they're pretty far apart, say, in South Dakota or Wyoming or, you know, places like that. So you do, you do your homework in advance. The strategizing and the planning, did you guys start that for the 2020 Cannonball, which was, of course, uh, postponed to this year? Or were you, did you jump on board after they had rescheduled it? No, no, we, we, we knew, like I said, when he got home from 2018, this was the plan from then. That's gotcha. This, that was, I mean, we, we bought my S Max for Cannonball within, I don't know, six months after him getting home from 2018. Gotcha. So uh, we, that was the plan from the beginning. And then getting the, when the route was published, starting to do the homework on, on um, the gas stations and uh, you know, the shortcuts and what, you know, whatever we had to do to, to make it more efficient. So you had, you had a good chunk of time to strategize. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And it's by that extra year gave us time too, uh, since it was postponed because of COVID. Absolutely. Yeah. Would you participate in another one? Um, I, I would, but probably not as a competitor. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to go through the whole need, you know, wanting to win, you know, doing yeah. everything I can to win kind of thing. I, I would do it, but like as a tourist, you know, <clears throat> not, not with the goal in mind of, of trying to be first every day. Yeah. So <clears throat> would you switch it up to maybe a vintage? No, absolutely <laughs> no. not. Absolutely not. No, no. I'm. I. I like the, the the reliability and the power, uh, and everything having to do with newer scooters. No, I'm yeah. not a vintage kind of person. No. <laughs> do you have any advice for someone who hasn't done it but is on the fence to do it? Um. Well, my advice would be to. Get a, first of all, you start with which scooter, and that is, I mean, if you if they want to win, get an S Max, um, and do what they can physically to become a better rider. Get some dirt experience if they don't have any. Definitely get some experience there. Ideally, you're a fit person as well. The fitter you are, the better you'll feel, on uh, the better you'll do. Mm-hmm. Improve on that if you can. And do as much uh, long distance riding as you can. See, like I said, uh, we had done a couple trips from Sacramento to Portland and back. 
uh, in the couple summers, like uh, between 2018 and 2021. So get some long days under your belt. In fact, in consecutive long days to see if you can actually, you know, handle the, the endurance part of it. It's, it's, you know, it's significant. It's, you know, when you're out there for 10 days in a row, it, that, you know, it's hard to keep that up. And that, that I attribute that to essentially, you know, kind of everything I mentioned before about with this teamwork, but also I was the most consistent as far as uh, adding, if you added up, forgetting about the handicap for a moment, if you added up all the times, the, the minutes for each day, I had the shortest time. In other words, I was the most consistent in terms of my um, writing every day after day. And that's, that's what it takes. I even, I, I even, I, in fact, I, I even beat all the big bikes. Like I said, forgetting about the handicap. Yeah. I beat everybody in time from, from, the, from Bar Harbor to Eureka. Wow. And, and yeah, by, by significant amount of time. So it, it takes that, I mean, some people beat me on certain days and just forgetting, you know, I, 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 most of the days I beat everybody when they factored in the handicap. Um, but without the handicap, I didn't win every day. But most of those people who did beat me, say, on day three or day f- five or whichever, they w- did they didn't score well on, you know, they weren't as high in the rankings uh, on, on the other days. They were like flashes in the pan. Mm-hmm. So uh, over the long haul of the event, day after day, I was the most consistent. And that's what it takes. Well, I want to thank you for taking the time and uh, talking with me. And I want to congratulate you on winning the Cannonball in 2021. Well, thank you. Yes. <laughs> I, I appreciate you sitting down with me. And um, hopefully we can chat again after your next one, right? <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks again, Julie. And you take care. Sure. Okay. Uh-huh. Bye. Okay. Bye. Thanks again to Julie for taking us along for a ride from coast to coast to see what kind of endurance it takes to ride in and ultimately win the Scooter Cannonball. Please stop by www.scooteraffair.com and catch up on any episodes you may have missed or just want to hear again. Thanks for listening. Stay well and so long. <laughs>